Tonight's reading is from Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 31. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had threatened, further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon your servant, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is God's word. You may be seated. Good evening. My name is Jason, staff pastor here at Grace Downtown, and we're so glad that you're worshiping with us tonight. We are going to cover the scripture that Bo just read for us in just a moment as we finish up this mini-series going over our vision for the coming year and as we move forward as a church. But before I get into that, I want to tell you a few things so you can get more involved here at Grace or find out if it's the right place for you to be more involved. A couple things. Uh, One, you may see uh, that I'm a little um, more casually dressed than normal tonight, representing Navigators. We partner with Navigators to minister to college students. Uh, Sarah, one of their directors, goes to church here, and we partner with them in many ways. And tonight, we are partnering with them, giving away some gift bags to college students. So if you are in college, you can define for yourself what that means. We're not putting restrictions on that. It's kind of weird in Iowa City. Uh, But if you consider yourself to be in college, uh, you can go back to the table right back here, and we have a gift bag back there uh, for you. And we just want to say welcome, and we're glad you're here in Iowa City. Also, if you have missed any of the past three sermons, I would really ask that you go back and listen to them. They have built on each other, and each one of them as a standalone sermon has been unsatisfying. They all go together, and I would love for you to check out um, 
either our podcast or our website to check out the sermons that you've missed in this month of August so you can get up to speed with some of the things that we're talking about here tonight. Inevitably, if you have questions about some of the things you hear tonight, it's covered in one of those three sermons, and if not, we'd be happy to answer those for you. Also, uh, next week, we're beginning our Mark series where we will go through the Gospel of Mark and look at and study and learn from the life and ministry of Jesus. And so we have a study guide that we can go through. We encourage you to go ahead and get started on that because the idea is that you're getting into God's word and you're going through the study in preparation for next week's sermon as we begin uh, the Gospel of Mark. We want you to hear from the Holy Spirit, from God's word before you come and hear the sermon. So on the table on the opposite side here on my left, you'll find um, those study guides to go through Mark. You can also find that online. And for the kids, we're going to talk more about this in just a moment, but we're going through something called the New City Catechism over the next two years with kids. And there's a table on the right-hand side here with a little booklet that is for every child that is preschool and up. So make sure you grab one of those for each of your kids that's preschool and up. Finally, if you are new to grace, meaning if you've been here less than a year and you have questions about what it means to belong here or what we believe or how we do things, we would love to talk to you after the service tonight. Uh, This is a time that's not for us, it's for you. We're not going to try to sign you up for a timeshare or anything like that. Uh, We're not going to have offering envelopes there. That's not what we're after. We're going to be there to answer your questions. So uh, myself and Joe and Jeff as the downtown pastors will be there to just answer any questions that you have about grace. That's going to be downstairs in our common room. If you have kids with you, grab the kids, join us in the common room. There will be a place for the kids to crawl around and to eat some goldfish snacks. And um, you can have some goldfish snacks if you'd like as well. And we'll just huddle up in a circle and you can ask us questions and we'd be glad to answer those. So that, are, that is some ways that you can get involved and stay plugged in here at Grace. If you would pray with me, we'll open God's word tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you for this chance that we have to hear from you. Uh, God, thank you that you have not left us alone uh, to struggle through life, to try to figure things out on our own, but you have spoken through your word and your spirit and your people. God, we pray that you would speak tonight. We need to hear from you, God, what you have to say for us. We need something we can count on, something that will last. God, we need something that won't leave us or forsake us. God, we need you tonight. We need to hear from you. God, if we have any hope of going forward as a group of people doing good in this world, we need you. We need you to guide our steps. We pray that our plans would be your plans. We want to plan around what you are doing in this world. We don't want to ask you to just bless our plans, but we want to be about what you're doing in this world. God, we pray that you would speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. I forgot to put this up earlier, but if you want to get connected here at Grace, there are some ways to do so. So in this last sermon in this vision series, we're talking about what it means to be a planted people. There's two different connotations that we have here tonight for that. One is, what does it mean to be a planted person, meaning you have roots in something? One of the biggest struggles in our society and in our culture is that we no longer are rooted people. Not very long ago, really less than a hundred years ago, most people never moved more than five miles away from where they were born, and most people met 150 people in their entire lifetime. 
as we saw by our show of hands a few weeks ago, we had 12 people from Iowa City in the congregation, and about a fourth of us were even born in Iowa. And then even out of those people, many of them have moved away, will move away. We are a, a global people, and we are a globalized society, and we struggle to feel a sense of rootedness. Whether we're talking about feeling rooted in community or whether we're talking about feeling rooted in just emotional health, spiritual health, mental health, relational health. So we want to talk about tonight what it means to be a planted person and to have roots. But then we also want to talk about what it means to be a rooted church. What does it mean to be a planted church? On June 25th, Pastor Brooks shared with you uh, at our members meeting that we are going to transition over the next few years to Grace Community Church's church campuses being autonomous, mean being staying connected in ways that benefit multiple churches, but we're going to move forward as separate churches, meaning that we are beginning the process of fully planting Grace Downtown as an independent church. So what does it mean to be a planted church? As we've done with each of these sermons, we're going to spend about one-third of our time in Scripture and about two-thirds of the time talking about what does this mean for us as a church where we find ourselves today. So, if you haven't already, please open with me to Acts chapter 4. We're going to take a look at the early church. We're going to take a look at the church after the Spirit of God has fallen, like we talked about last week, and each has heard it in his own language, her own language, And then now the church is moving forward and miraculous signs are taking place by the hands of the apostles and the disciples and the church is moving forward. Churches are being planted. House churches are exploding everywhere as thousands are coming to know and follow Jesus and receive the spirit of God. They lived in a variant very transient environment, as we've been talking about in the first century, uh, not just the church, but first century people, because of the Roman roads, the world was starting to globalize very quickly, and we were having more and more diverse communities in the first century. So the church saw all these people coming to faith that didn't necessarily speak the same language, weren't from the same background or people group, they didn't have the same skin color, they didn't have the same religious practices. So they're wrestling through, what does it mean to be planted? What is most important to us? That's why this scripture is helpful for us tonight. We're not going to take a look at every verse because I gave Bo a lot of verses to read, so we're going to have to go fairly quickly so we can get to our application for tonight. So, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So first question, why is this important and noteworthy for them, and then why is it noteworthy or important for us? First, it was noteworthy because what they're saying about Peter and John and the other disciples and really broadly more followers of Jesus is they were not educated in the traditional religious sense. They kind of failed on two fronts in most people's eyes. First, they were not educated in the rabbinical school that a lot of Jewish boys were raised in. And secondly, they didn't grow up in a traditional Roman Greek speaking school. So these men were seen as uneducated by both secular and religious people. They were seen as uneducated by both groups of people. Why is this important to us? Because we live in a day and age where no one in this world is impressed that I went to Bible college. 
No one is impressed that I went to Bible college. No one is impressed that you go to church. I no longer have instant credibility by saying I'm a pastor. In fact, that's not my leading line. Hi, I'm Jason. I'm a pastor. Because it comes with so much baggage. I feel like I have to prove to them that I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to be a stereotypical pastor. I'm not Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. I feel like they need to get to know me before I even say I'm a pastor. Hasn't always been that way. You probably feel the same way about just saying I'm a Christian. It doesn't give you instant popularity or clout in this world. So it was important for them, it's important for us to recognize that the most important thing is not our formal education, is not our moral perfection, it is not our religious and family background, but what does the text say? They were astonished because these men were uneducated and common, and they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. The defining characteristic of these men, what made them stick out and what gave them their power is that they had been with Jesus. That's what we have to offer, that we have been with Jesus. Skip ahead with me to verse 16. What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. What's being said here is there there is definitive empirical evidence that something is happening with these Jesus followers. And furthermore, it is astonishing that in Acts, the resurrection is just an assumed fact. If you notice in the, the book of Acts, the apostles and the disciples and followers of Jesus are never defending themselves based on the resurrection because everyone just assumes it happened. That's an amazing fact of history. But furthermore, there's empirical evidence of noteworthy signs and miracles and healings and people's lives being changed. The fact that people are coming from all these different people groups together to worship in the same house instead of hating each other is a miracle. There are miracles taking place with healings. There are miracles taking place with people just giving their lives to Jesus because of a dream they had. There's something happening among these people. It says, it is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. Verses 19 and 20. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They start warning the disciples, you need to stop this. You need to stop speaking the name of Jesus. You need to stop healing people. You need to make it so that all the inhabitants of Jerusalem don't know about this. You're causing a problem for us now. But their answer is, you have to judge whether we're right or not, but we are beholden to the call of God. We are beholden to the spirit inside of us, and we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Perhaps you've heard this joke before, how do you know if someone is vegan or not? You don't have to know, they're going to tell you. It also has been applied to CrossFit. How do you know if someone's CrossFit or not? You don't have to ask, they'll just tell you. No offense if you're into CrossFit. God bless, go in grace, that's great. 
There are certain things that people get so passionate about it, they tell everyone. Likewise, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, you know, every couple years they win the Super Bowl, and when, when, they've, when they've won the Super Bowl, I haven't had to tell people I was excited that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. People would come to me and say, are you excited? Are you excited? I bet you are just so excited. They knew that I was excited because they knew what was important to me. We cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. I saw this in living color last Sunday from a friend of mine named Danny. Danny, I play soccer with Danny, and last week um, we put on Facebook that we were going to be playing soccer. Some people showed up, a random person that none of us knew got assigned to our team. So we're kicking the ball around. And Danny works with a ministry that looks to equip people to share their faith. You're going to be hearing more about Danny. Uh, We want to partner with him more uh, and what he's doing. But uh, Danny is kicking the ball back and forth with this guy that he's never met before. And I am like, no sooner do I have a cleat on ready to play soccer. And Danny is sharing the gospel with this guy, sharing what he does for a living and he can't help but speak. He wasn't a coward like me and told this guy right away he was in ministry and he loves Jesus and Jesus is compelling him to do his job. He could not help but speak. So, what are these guys so excited about? Where they cannot help but speak. Look ahead with me, starting in verse 24. And when they heard, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, who through, uh, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. This is a theological statement that the church is making and praying about who they think Jesus is. They mention a few things here that are important to us. The first thing that they say is they say sovereign Lord. They pray to God and they say, Sovereign Lord. This is a unique uh, way of saying Lord and Sovereign. What they're pointing to here, this was a word that was known in the Greek culture for the person who owned you and had full rights over you, or supreme leader, or boss, or owner. They're saying, Lord, you are supreme above Caesar, above any other authority or king, you are sovereign. And then they say, God, you did four things. First, you made the heavens and the earth. You're the creator God. There's lots of ideas in other religions and worldviews about how everything came into existence. They're saying, God, you're the one that made everything. Then they say, you have spoken. You have said through the Holy Spirit, you've spoken to us. Then you've decided, you anointed Jesus. You sent him as Messiah. You sent him as Savior. You sent him to raise from the dead. You sent him to be king. And then you decided. 
You decided beforehand and then you planned, you planned, you predestined, you planned, you set everything into motion to lead to Jesus's perfect sacrifice for his people. This is a theological treatise on who they believe God to be. This is what they can't help but speak about. Their resurrected king who made everything. Look with me at verses 29 and 30. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They were so focused on the great commission that they prayed for boldness instead of deliverance. They prayed for boldness to continue to speak the name of Jesus even though there was opposition. They were so committed to what God had told them to do and what the Spirit was empowering them to do and what they were seeing among them that they didn't even pray for their own safety or deliverance. They were so focused on the kingdom of God, they had to prioritize the rest of their life around Jesus and his call on their life. We see here miracles taking place in the church for the church. I think that in this situation, I would have been asking for something different, a different kind of miracle. I would have been asking for the defeat of my enemies. I would have been asking for miraculous deliverance from all of this difficulty and all of these threats and all of this death and imprisonment, I would have been asking for God conquering his enemies and putting me into a place of safety. Yet, they pray for boldness. It says, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, they ask that miracles would take place for other people instead of their own safety. I'm going to give a very, it's relevant here because of how much we're seeing signs and miracles, but also how they're talking about signs and miracles. But if you want to know my beliefs on signs and miracles in the modern day, I'll put it very simply for you. When someone tells me that they found a parking spot and it was a miracle, I'm a little uh, skeptical of that. Because God can give you a parking spot if he wants. He can do anything he wants, but I don't know that he really cares about you parking a little closer so you don't have to walk very far. So my theological statement on miracles is that if you think you saw a miracle, but it only benefits you, I'd be skeptical. However, if you come to me with a miraculous story of healing or a dream you had or some prophecy that you've confirmed, but... It makes much of Jesus, it benefits others, and it advances the gospel, I'm probably going to believe it. Because that's what God is doing in this world. And he uses miraculous things in our world to grow the believer, to do good in our world, and to bring glory to him. He'll do anything that it takes to do that. That was for free on the side. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word with boldness. They are experiencing a revival, the spirit working. 
When we hear the word revival, often we think of personal salvations, and obviously that is a part of it. But a revival is when the spirit of the living God is saving, sanctifying, and sending his church to do his will. And here is exactly what we see. Verse 32, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And the great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. This created a biblical community, a community of good news people that believed that their lives had been changed and they couldn't help but speak about it to other people. Before we get into the application for us as a church, it is vital that we catch that biblical community, good news community, is what we have to offer this world. People gather in buildings all the time to do all kinds of things. Yesterday, I went to a hobby store. I don't usually go to hobby stores, just to be clear, but I had a few minutes to kill and the kids wanted to go there. There was a bunch of guys gathered around and it looked like a Bible study. They weren't having a Bible study. They were playing a nerdy card game. People gather around to do all kinds of things. Next Saturday, there's going to be 70 some thousand people all together on their feet, clapping and cheering. They're not going to be worshiping God. It's going to be about football. People gather in homes to watch football games. People gather in homes to play games or video games. People gather together outside to play soccer. Us gathering together is not worship. You can gather together to do lots of things. It has to be about Jesus. And we have to give one another the good news and then share that good news with a world that's in desperate need of good news calling ourselves Christians and getting together on Sunday and getting together an extra time in someone's house during the week does not mean that we're worshiping God. We have to pray that the spirit of God fills what we are doing, reminds us of the good news, and then we share that good news with others. In light of this, this is what our church is going to be about moving forward. This is our vision. This is what we want to see. We're going to keep it very simple This is what we want to see. We want to see leaders who are an example of the good news. We want to see, first of all, pastors and then men and women that are shepherding the church, that are good news people, that are an example of the good news, that are an example of Christ laying down his life for the church. That's how we're going to define leadership. People that lay down their lives for others. Then, We want to see disciples who are growing as they follow Jesus. There's a lot of different ways to do that, but ultimately we need to make sure that we are following Jesus. Then we are disciples who are sharing the good news with one another and with those who don't know Jesus. If we are a faithful church, this is what it will look like. This is how we're going to define success is by doing this faithfully. So, Let's talk about how we're going to get there, how we're going to do it. Some of this you've heard before, some of it you haven't. We're going to be about these practices. How are we going to get to that vision that I just shared? First, we're going to worship God in rooms big and small. We're going to worship God in the home, as households, or as families. We're going to worship him in biblical community. We're going to worship him together in homes and dorms here in our offices at Old Brick. 
And then we're going to come together and we're going to worship as the body of Christ. Our desire is that this time together, when we come together to worship together, this would be an overflow of what you've already been doing all week. As an individual, in homes, in families, in biblical community, and then we get to do it together. We're going to worship God in rooms big and small. One note on children's ministry starting September 10th. Preschool and elementary kids will be in here for the music. They're going to sing with us because we want to worship as a church family. Then whoever's getting up to preach will dismiss the kids. And third grade down through preschool, we'll go down and have age-specific classes for them during the sermon based on that new city catechism. And then the kids are going to come back up as the sermon is ending. And everyone will receive the benediction together, including the kids. Because we believe that the family worshiping together is a great thing. We believe age-specific teaching and worship environments is a great thing. We believe that kids need to hear the gospel and see what it's like to worship God from a very young age. So we're going to worship God in rooms big and small. Next, we're going to train disciples for their next step. We're going to train disciples for their next step. And here's how we're going to do it. We are going to do FF, hold on, FFHCCM. F-B-C-C-G's. That stands for Faith, Family, House, Church, Community, Missional, Family, Biblical, Community, Care, Core, City Groups. We finally figured out a name, folks. That's all we needed. We needed the right name. Now we're good to go. We have made the mistake in the past as a church in just renaming small groups and thinking that explained everything. I'd like to be a little more nuanced with you because it's a big part of what we do. So what are we going to do as biblical community? We are going to be communities of practice. We practice our faith with one another. A community of practice is discipled by the word, the spirit, and the people of God. It's training for those who are planted here in Iowa City and training for those that will come and then will go. It's sharing the good news with one another. I need to be reminded that there's good news, not just once a week, not just twice a week, but every day I can get it. We're going to remind each other of the good news by sharing it with one another. We're going to take our next steps of growth. About 18 months ago, Pastor Jeff and I started meeting together every couple of weeks and having things that we wanted to grow in that we shared with each other and we prayed for each other. And believe it or not, it had been a while since I had someone like that in my life. I'd been a pastor. I'd been in church my entire life. But there's been years where I didn't have someone just saying, hey, what's the next step for you? How can I help you take a step towards Jesus? And then we're going to train people for their next stage of life because every person that moves to Iowa City is going through a transition. Every person who stays in Iowa City goes through a transition and everyone that leaves goes through a transition. So we're going to talk about how to grow towards Jesus, take steps towards him as we go through the different stages of life. I'm going to spend the least amount of time on the last one, not because it's not most important, but we spent two sermons on it. The first one or the second one and the third one were all about sharing the good news in our practices. Bottom line, we need to have a plan for sharing the good news. If we're really good news people, we can't help but speak about it. That means being ready to give an account for the good news, being ready to share the good news, being a good news person. So people come to you and they're like, what is going on? What's different about you? But it also means having 
a plan for sharing our faith, a plan for sharing the good news with the people we've been meaning to share the good news with for a long time. So we're going to have a plan together as a church. So in summary, our practices, we're going to be devoted to Christ. We're going to be devoted to one another, and we're going to have a plan for sharing the good news. So these are the things that are most important. These are the things that we're going to do because we're Christians and the spirit of the living God lives inside of us. And we've been sent to share that good news, to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's what all of us are called to do. The next things I'm going to show you are specific to Grace Downtown. As Pastor Brooks shared and as we shared at the beginning of July, we feel like um, the future of Grace Community Church is autonomous churches that are planted. Right now, we are one church in two locations, one in North Liberty, this one in downtown Iowa City. We have bought some property in Tiffin. We have a church planting in Amana. The future is autonomous churches that are planted in God's timing. So really for the last year, the pastors and leaders of this church have been identifying what are the things we need to do in order to be an independent church. Right now, the biggest way that we are connected as one church in two locations is in our elder board. We have an elder board that oversees both churches and financing. When you tithe towards this church, it goes to both campuses. Grace North Liberty, Grace Downtown. Pragmatically, we've already made a lot of changes where we do some things a little differently. We do some things they don't do and vice versa. But moving forward, we want to lay out for you the benchmarks that we're going to have to see and hit in order for us to be an autonomous church. And we want to share that during the sermon, during this time, so it's based on the things that God has called us to, and it's not the invention of man. We feel like these will help us continue to be a healthy church and even be a more healthy church in the future. So, as I said in the first sermon of this series, I would love to give you a date and say, hey, we're going to be an independent church on this date. But that would be unwise. We want to set out the benchmarks for you and say, this is what healthy church looks like. And until we're at this, we're not ready and we're not where we need to be. So here is the benchmarks that we have prayerfully come up with and we feel like are of utmost importance as we move forward. First, we need to move to Sunday mornings. It has become very, very clear that we need to move to Sunday mornings. We also have discovered over the last few weeks that it's possible now we have to hear back from Old Brick with an actual lease that says actually what it looks like. But in the next few months, we would like to move to Sunday mornings. We feel like we can reach more people. We feel like it will better serve families. We feel like it'll better, better serve some of the rhythms of Iowa City. We started meeting on Sunday nights because this building was not available on Sunday mornings. And it matched the rhythm of Iowa City nine years ago. But things change. And now we have the potential of an open door to move to Sunday mornings and Lord willing, we'll be able to stay here at Old Brick and meet on Sunday mornings and partner more with our Congolese friends downstairs and it could be a real win-win. So please make that a matter of prayer because not as, it's not a done deal. We also want you to know we're not gonna spring it on you and say, guess what? Next week we're in the morning. We're gonna give you months, not days, but months of leeway. So we need to move to Sunday mornings. Second, we need half of our households to be planted people. People, individuals or families, 
that say, I'm here for the foreseeable future. That brings a lot of goodness to our church. It brings a lot of stability. It brings a, a lot of infrastructure. It brings a lot of financial help. It brings a lot of what we need in order to reach the other half of the church that is going through major transitions and may only be here for a year or two. It gives us the stability we need to reach a very transient community. We are close to this now and we have been here in the past, but there have been seasons where we were not at this and there were more transient people than planted people. And let me tell you, it wasn't that fun. So moving forward by so many metrics and for so many reasons to be a planted people, to accomplish what God is calling us to do, we need half of our households to be planted people. The reason I put these in order the first two are in order on purpose because one of the first questions that you're going to have is how close are we to half of those households now? And I would answer, I have no idea. That's because when we move to Sunday mornings, it's going to change some things. For a small percentage of people, it means they will no longer be able to attend here because of their Sunday morning commitments now. It also means some people want to meet with us but cannot make Sunday nights work and they'll join us. So we're gonna see some transition and some change. So we need to move to Sunday mornings and then we need to evaluate where are we at on that metric of half of the households planted. Next, we need two pastors on the payroll. Right now we have me as staff pastor. We have Bo 20 hours a week as our coordinator. He runs things around here. Then we have two lay elders, Jeff and Joe, that are not on the payroll. Moving forward, we need two pastors on the payroll. It doesn't necessarily have to be two full-time pastors. Joe and Jeff are amazing and they don't just see themselves as like a voting executive board or guys that just show up on vote and vote on things once in a while. They truly are shepherds that give time and energy to this church. But when you're on staff, there's daily operations that need to be taken care of. And for there to be one guy is really challenging. So moving forward, even if it's part-time, we need two pastors on the payroll. We also would like to add one more lay pastor. We, if we add another staff pastor, then we'll have two staff pastors, two lay pastors. We want to add another lay pastor to continue to get input from the congregation. We would also, Lord willing, like that person to be more representative of the church's age. I am the youngest elder downtown and I am not representative of Grace Downtown, if you hadn't noticed. We're gonna join Harbor Network, most likely. We still have to go through the application process. Harbor Network is a church planting network of over 200 churches all over America. You heard me talk about them a little bit last week. This is one that I'm really passionate about because I've been a part of Grace for the last 17 years and we've been unaffiliated from anything larger than ourselves, and I want off that ride. It is so beneficial for us in the short term and the long term to be connected to something larger than ourselves. So we have identified Harbor Network as a group of people that are like-minded, that focus on healthy churches and nurturing healthy churches and helping churches be fruitful and multiply. So we see like-mindedness in them and we see that they could offer us some things that we don't have. We think joining Harbor Network is a major part of this. 
Then we need a strategy and sustainability team. This team will oversee and give recommendations for finances to the church. They will tackle things that are important for the church, but not urgent for the church. They will give recommendations to the elders based on the things that they're seeing for the future. They're going to be in charge of building. They're going to be in charge of financial review, uh, financial accountability for the church, and helping us be strategic as we move forward. We've got to have that team. It's a weakness we have, and we need um, members of the congregation to bring their strengths, experiences, and job qualifications to the table to help us. And then lastly, in order to move forward as a church and also to be a nonprofit, we have to have a theological statement and a constitution. So that's something we will be working on as well. That is not something that's going to be a major curveball to all of you. If you currently are a member of the church and have signed our theological statement, you're still going to like and approve of the new one we put together. We're not looking for major curveballs. We just want to make sure it represents what we believe as a church well. This is where we're headed. Lord willing, this is what we want to see happen. We want to put this out there so that we can all know where we're at together. So there's no surprises. So we can all know what the score is. So we can all know where we're at. These are things that we need in order to move forward, but they're also signs and fruits that something healthy is going on here. And we believe there's some things that are headed in the right direction, but these are some things we need to see happen for this to be a wise and good and helpful thing for us moving forward. Before we get into the immediate things that you can do, I promise I'm about to land this plane, but before I get into that, I want to ask you to pray for each of these. Out of all of these, I don't know that any of them we can do on our own. We can maybe wing it and throw something together for a theological statement. Many of you could probably do it just as good as we could. We could throw together a strategy and sustainability team and like strong arm some people into sitting on something and they could be on a board. We can't make this happen. We can't force this. This is something God has to do among us. This has to be a fruit of our relationship with Jesus and our commitment to one another. This is not something we're going to make happen. I have zero desire to start a business. I have zero desire to start a brand. I have zero desire to go out and conquer the world for my name's sake. But I got all the time and the energy in the world to be a part of something like this. And to be a part of something like we see taking place in Acts. And to be the kind of church that I believe God is calling us to be. If you're like me, you want to take immediate action. I came back from sabbatical ready to take on hell with a squirt gun and have been very frustrated with how slow everything takes in my life and in this world. So if you're like me, you want some immediate actions. What do I do right now? You're in luck. I've got some things for you. First, evaluate your commitment to Christ. Evaluate your commitment to Christ. When people are around you, do they know you've been with Jesus? Are you ready to share the good news with your brothers and sisters in Christ and with a world that is in desperate need of good news? 
Evaluate where are you at with Christ? First, is he your Lord? Is he really in charge of your life? Second, do you really believe he loves you? Third, do you really believe he has a plan for your life? Fourth, is there any area of your life where he isn't Lord? Evaluate your commitment to Christ. I'm so excited that really this week we're starting to study the book of Mark together as a church family because it's all about Jesus. What he did, why he came, and what his kingdom is like. We need that so badly. We need the ways of Jesus. We have, by and large, all learned church the wrong way. It needs to be more about Jesus and less about man and brands and logos and people moving forward, and it needs to be about Jesus. So, evaluate your commitment to Christ. Second, evaluate your commitment to each other. I want to say, from what I can see, you guys are doing a great job of this, being committed to one another, so I don't say this in way of rebuke. But let's evaluate what it looks like to show one another the good news and share the good news with one another with every interaction that we have. Are we really committed to one another? That's something we need to wrestle with. Third, evaluate your plans. Every major milestone of sanctification in my life has come with a change of my plans. Sometimes it's been small, sometimes it's been moved to Iowa. You guys have changed plans based on God's call on your life. Some people have gone from Iowa City based on God changing their plans. Some have stayed based on God changing their plans. Whatever it is, we need his plans. Let's evaluate our plans to make sure that they are in line with God's will for us and where the spirit is leading. Let's evaluate our plans. The first century church certainly had to do this. They thought they had plans for their life. And then this Jesus guy came along and upset everything. Notice as we read through Mark how unsettling it is for religious and secular people alike when Jesus teaches or does anything. He does not confirm any of their biases or preconceived notions about religious, the Messiah, religion, the Messiah, or God. Evaluate your plans based on the call of Jesus. And lastly, serve in the church. We need to be committed to one another in biblical community, but we also need to be committed to serving the church. There's two different ways that you can do that. One is through a monthly volunteer role. Our goal is to have everyone serve in at least one area once a month. If you do that, we will be able to set up, we'll be able to tear down, we'll be able to take care of kids, we'll be able to welcome people, we'll be able to put words up on the screen, we'll be able to sing the lyrics and play the notes, we'll be able to do what we need to do. But we have to have everyone a part of it if you call this your church home. So you can be a part of a monthly volunteer role. If you're downstairs with the kids, you're going to miss the service, but it's once a month. So please evaluate your monthly serving. The second way is by being a part of a strategic team. 
We're in the process of building three strategic teams. One is our ambassador team that you heard about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Rebecca Yeager is having a meeting on September 10th for people that are interested in being an ambassador for missions and missionaries and also helping our church send more people, pray for more people, finance more people that are on the mission field. Second, we want to put together a parent team that really leads the way with our children's ministry moving forward, and then the strategy and sustainability team that you already heard about. Acts chapter 4. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to be separated from your only son, that we might be united with you. So remember that everything that we do, everything that we have, everything that we are, is centered around what you have done for us, not what we can do for you. Thank you that you have paid the ultimate price and we have been united with you in Christ. For that we thank you and bless you and tell you we love you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority, before all time and now and forever. Amen. Go in grace.